This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome into Seattle Sports Night here on this Monday night. Thank you so much for joining us. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback Jake Heaps here with you for the next two hours on 710 ESPN Seattle. Jake, franchise deadline, franchise tag deadlines tomorrow, but uh, we already know what the Seahawks are going to do. They they left us uh, with, I guess, less time to ponder whether they're going to use the tag or not, because uh, they they came to an answer earlier today. Yeah, they figured why why not wait. Uh, they they wanted to uh, get it going early and get the tag on them. Obviously, uh, D Ford also was tagged, and Jadavian Clowney was tagged today. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence is going to be tagged, and uh, his situation is is even more interesting. This will be year two for him, and he has already proclaimed that he will not uh, participate this year. Uh, altogether, like Le'Veon Bell did, uh, if he is franchise tagged again, so that's going to be an interesting discussion. And now you have a lot of edge rushers on the franchise tag, trying to figure out what the deals are going to be for them if they get them done. So a lot to keep track of uh, on that July fifteenth date. Seahawks didn't wait any longer for their franchise tag, handing it over to Frank Clark. We're not going to wait any longer. We're going to tell you what is on the timeline. Seahawks today announced they have officially given Frank Clark the franchise tag. $17.1 million heading to Clark's bank account this season if he chooses to play on it. Not bad. No, definitely not bad. And by the looks of it, just kind of reading through the tea leaves of Frank Clark's Instagram and Twitter account, he sounds like a guy that is going to play for it. Uh, Responded to long snapper Tyler Ott saying, let's eat. Uh, he posted an Instagram post, you know, saying like "stay humble," like continue to grind. So I think he sees this as sort of his next opportunity uh, to prove himself. Now, does this guarantee that the Seahawks will sign him long term? That remains to be seen. But the Seahawks have done at least part of their part in all of this. Now the sides get together and try to hammer out a long term extension, which is going to. There's another deadline for that, July 15th. Will the Seahawks get it done with Frank Clark by then? We'll have to wait and see. We'll see. I, I thought that all along this was going to be a tough deal to get done, the multi, multi-year deal to be done before this deadline. I, I think the franchise tag just allows you to make sure you're keeping uh, Frank Clark in Seattle for another year. You're guaranteeing that while you have this extended time to work and try and get a multi-year deal done. There's a lot of angles to go out uh, from this that we will talk in the next segment, but I'm happy to know that Frank Clark at least will be a Seahawk for one more year. Yeah, it's uh, it's a win in itself. Just having the ability to keep Clark around for another season, you didn't want to lose him considering where the state of the Seahawks' pass rush is. You've got him in the fold at least for one more season. Hopefully it's going to be a couple more beyond this year and they can get that extension done. But uh, Seahawks with their very first domino of the offseason falling today as Frank Clark receives the franchise tag. Also on the timeline, the NFL Combine officially wrapping in Indianapolis. A whole week's worth of events going on there. I know you're really sad about it, Curtis. Oh, man, I am broken up. I am a mess. You <laughs> I, you had to – I was crying on your shoulder beforehand. I, I had to comfort like, you. What it's are okay. we going to talk it's about? It's okay. It's all right. You got next year. <laughs> 
Well, have you heard that the NFL is trying to stretch us out into a two-week event now? You're kidding. I did I'm, not hear that I'm not that kidding. One. There was some rumors over the last uh, weekend that the NFL's trying to stretch us out over two how weeks. How on earth could you do this for two weeks? I, These five I don't days know are how. plenty. Yeah. They are plenty. That is one thing I am okay with never finding and out. And I'm sure the players are the same exact yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, you're... Walking around in your underwear for what six whole days? Yeah. Imagine stretching that out to fourteen days. Like that's that's a bit much. I mean, these guys have lives to get back to at some point. Well, like, they got to train, and and here's the thing: yeah. when you go through this process, you know, we only see on TV just the testing that you know that they do the forties and and the shuttles and bench press and 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 the uh, uh, drills that they do, skill drills that they do. But beyond that, they've got medicals. They've got interviews that are taking them into the late nights, into the early mornings, and these guys are physically and emotionally drained when they leave. Uh, trust me, all these guys are excited to to be done with this step of their journey. Now going to their pro day, just one, just this is the biggest box that they can check uh, going into you know in preparation for the NFL draft. Think about the cheat meals these guys are having today after wrapping up a whole week's worth. Now think about the cheat meals they would be having after two weeks' worth of workouts. <laughs> like I think that at some point they would just be eating themselves away. Their bodies, yeah. they would start having cheat meals just trying to get through these two weeks. I Yeah, I don't need a two-week-long NFL combine. We'll get into uh, who separated themselves from the pack coming up around 8 o'clock when we – well, last week we had our combine preview – we looked at all the positions. Well, it's only right that we have our combine review. That's coming up at 8 o'clock. But right now, also on the timeline, the Huskies, they could have done without this Bay Area road trip uh, in the Pac-12. It was a road trip that many people thought they would make quick work of, but that wasn't the case. Getting upended by Cal, a team that hadn't won a Pac-12 game this season, uh, then surviving Stanford yesterday, yeah, they clinched the Pac-12, and they'll close the regular season out against the Oregon schools. But I get the impression that the Huskies still have work left to do before the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee says, yes, you have done all we needed you to do. You are firmly in our tournament. I did warn you, Curtis, last week on you Thursday did. about this trap game. Yeah, we I were warned on, you. We were on the air as the game was going on. It ended following uh, the conclusion of Seattle Sports Tonight, so... Uh, you know, I was like, oh, Huskies got this one. Did, <laughs> didn't work out that way. Yeah, sometimes sometimes in these environments where you're playing an inferior opponent that you absolutely should beat, the, the environment isn't great. It's not electric, and, and you just let it bring you down. And, and I think that's what happened with the Huskies. Uh, like you said, happy to get out of this Bay Area trip. And now it puts the Huskies in a really interesting position. I think the margin for error is razor thin for them in terms of being able to get into the tournament. I love what Coach Hopkins is doing. I like the guys on this team. I think they uh, play together. I think they have opportunities to really make a run. They are built to make a run in the tournament, but they have to finish strong here in the last part of the season with finishing out with these Oregon schools and also in the Pac-12 tournament. That's going to be critical for them. Their fate is entirely in their hands. That is the place you want it to be this time of year when the selection committee is trying to figure out how to seed these teams. The Huskies, if they sweep the Oregon schools and get at least one win in the Pac-12 tournament, I don't think there's any doubt. I think they are squarely in the field of 68. The problem is Oregon and Oregon State are two teams that have 
they've been able to rise up this season and knock off some impressive teams. Oregon, many people considered them to be the Pac-12 favorites heading into this season, so the talent is there. And Oregon State's got good coaching, Wayne Tinkle, and then his son Trey uh, being a, a leader on that ball club. You know, I, I don't think it's a given that the Huskies are going to sweep the Oregon schools, but if they can do that this weekend, if they can clinch a undefeated home season and then head into the Pac-12 tournament with just two conference losses, get that first-round bye so they're not having to play four games in four nights yes. in Vegas, I think that is the most ideal situation you can find yourself in uh, if you're the Huskies. Well, actually, they, they've clinched a first-round bye. They don't need to worry about playing four games in four nights, but uh, you want to have that ability to, to scout your opponent for at least a full day because in a tournament situation, you only got a couple of hours to really in- install a game plan against a team Correct. Uh, where you know, you're only seeing the tape from the night before. You got to get that going early on in the morning. Uh, you know, We'll see how this Husky team is equipped to handle that tournament atmosphere in Vegas. And There, there are very few things the Pac-12 has done right Moving the basketball tournament to Vegas is one of them. It is an unbelievable atmosphere. If you ever get a chance to go to T-Mobile Arena, check it out down there in Vegas. I went last year, had a, had the time of my life. Yeah. Just basketball all day, every day, for nice. four days straight. It's an incredible, incredible time. NFL free agency, it begins next week, but it seems like the biggest domino is set to fall as well. Nick Foles, who is a unrestricted free agent. It looks like the Jaguars are going to be the team that gets his services that's what everybody, in 2019. Yeah, that's what everybody's talking about. Nick Foles being being the, uh, top, the top landing spot is for uh, the Jaguars, for Nick Foles. This is an interesting situation for me. I think they have, still, they have a great defense. Obviously, they were underwhelming in their, their performance last year. Uh, their offense was absolutely abysmal, and if you can get a quarterback like Nick Foles to perform above the pack in terms of the NFL, if he can be a top 15 uh, above type of quarterback for this team, I think there can be a quick turnaround for the Jaguars. They're only a year removed from playing in the AFC title game, not just playing in the AFC title game, taking, what, a fourth-quarter lead against the Patriots in Foxborough. Yep. This team may not be as far off as a lot of people think they are. There was a lot of infighting with the Jaguars last year, but if they can get Leonard Fournette head his head squ- tightened on straight, yep. If they can get decent performances out of Nick Foles as their quarterback, uh, and I mean their defense still has pieces. Yeah, they still have playmakers on that defensive side of the ball. Also, Jalen Ramsey, you don't quite know where his head's at all the time. But if they can get those guys back on the same page, uh, I would expect Jacksonville to be a bounce back team. Yeah, they need uh, they need stability, and I think that's you know with a quarterback like Nick Foles, a guy who is calm in his demeanor, I think a guy like that can really have an impact on a locker room. It's not going to totally change, but sometimes having a quarterback perform it. Even though they sign Nick Foles, it's going to take a couple of games for them to really start changing that culture and for those defensive guys to buy in to what's going on. So there's a lot to prove still for Nick Foles, even when he signs this big contract. But they have a chance to turn this thing around pretty quickly. Frank Clark's franchise tag wasn't the only roster move the Seahawks made over the weekend, officially releasing 2017 second-round pick Malik McDowell, his Time in Seattle comes to a quiet end. Just an unfortunate uh, unfortunate turn of events that ended his career before it even got going. Uh, involved in an ATV accident that left him 
uh, severely injured, and he was never able to find his way back to the football field. And then you couple that with a couple of off-the-field incidents uh, with police officers in Atlanta and in, I believe it was Dallas. Uh, you know, just a sad, sad end to a career that had a lot of promise. Yep. And that's why the Seahawks drafted him with their second-round pick in 2017. But uh, the McDowell era in Seattle ends before it even gets started. Yeah, I was one of the few people to actually witness Malik McDowell in person, uh, being able to participate in that rookie minicamp with the Seahawks. And Malik was there, and he's a talented player. There was a lot of promise to him. And and it just goes to show that how one decision can impact your future. And unfortunately for him, there are guys that do worse things out there, right? He was on an ATV, uh, had a horrible accident. There are guys that do riskier things uh, that don't get injured in the manner that Malik McDowell did. So on one hand, I, I am very empathetic for him uh, in, in what could have been. But also it just goes to show that when you're a professional and there's a lot of money for you on the table, there's a bright future, you have to protect that at all costs. And then lastly on the timeline tonight, a big snowstorm in Oregon this week. This was uh, amazing. It, it, an Oregon man in Eugene and his dog survived five days trapped in a snowed-in car, and they only had Taco Bell sauce packets being their only source of food. For five <laughs> days, they lived off Taco Bell sauce. Is this going to be part of the new Taco Bell campaigns that we're going like, to see on it's TV? It's life-saving food. Life-saving food. Our, our sauce is life-saving. It's incredible. When I heard this story, I, I couldn't help but think about what's in my car. And it's Taco Bell sauce. Like, that's that and old <laughs> empty water bottles. And then, like, my ox cord. And right. that's it. Like, other than that, like, this guy and me probably had a lot in common with what's inside of our this car. This could have been you. It could have been me. I don't have a dog, but, you I know, mean. But the funny part is we looked up the story, and, and later do we find out that he really didn't need to do that because you could survive for, it says. 40 days you, without food. Yeah, you could survive a pretty long time without food, but this guy was desperate. And you know what? Taco Bell's hot sauce. Kind of good. It is. Shout out to the fire sauce. That gets that that keeps me going. That keeps me going. That is what's on the timeline here on Monday night. Coming up, Frank Clark, he gets the franchise tag. The Seahawks have until July to work out a long-term deal. Do they get that done? Or is this a prove-it deal? Is this the franchise tag? Is this going to be a prove-it deal? We'll take your calls as well. 206-421-3776, 866-979-3776. We want to hear your thoughts on Fred and Clark getting the franchise tag. That's next. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback, Jake Eaps, right here. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into Seattle Sports at Night. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Monday, getting your week started with... Uh, I don't know if you can technically say you're getting your week started with us as we're wrapping up the last day. Of, yeah, it just depends. Of, of the sometimes, last of the first day. Sometimes we have guys that... Are, are guys and gals out there that have some off schedules? Some That's weird... true. People, pro- There are people out there going to work at this time of night. Some uh, coming back, some going. Exactly. Right? So shout out to you for joining us here on this Monday. But Frank Clark getting that franchise tag. We want to hear what you have to say. 866-979-3776-206-421-3776. Seahawks 
coming at the uh, coming up on the deadline for the franchise tag. They get it done a day before they needed. They absolutely needed to today. Um, but Jake, when you look at what Frank Clark has given the Seahawks, what he did last year on a contract uh, or in a contract season, and now going into 2019, where if worse comes to worse, he's going to have to do that again. Yeah. Do you see Frank Clark maybe getting frustrated a little bit with the process? Yeah, I think so. Uh, absolutely. This is, uh, in terms of Frank's idea about this, is look, I, I answered the questions. I, I've been productive every single year that I've been here. My rookie year, get my feet wet. But after that, I've really turned it on. And, and in so far, being a Seahawk, I have been one of the top performers under a rookie contract in Seahawks franchise history, especially at my position. So uh, for Frank, I mean, what more do you have to do? And, you know, the the hard part is, is look, is anybody going to be happy to get $17 million in a year? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to and, take and, it. and Frank is happy to take that money. There's no doubt. But it's better to get a multi-year deal where you feel appreciated, you feel like you're getting paid, and you have the stability. So what what this does is it puts Frank in an interesting position. Now you're on a one-year deal. Now you're trying to make business decisions, meaning you have to try and take care of your body. Are you going to try and go down the route of making statements to the franchise of, hey, I'm unhappy being a franchise tag player. I want a multi-year deal, meaning are you going to skip out on OTAs? Are you going to miss out on the off-season activities? Uh, and, you know, Frank is going to show up in training camp. I, I have zero doubt about Frank showing up in training camp, trying to drag that on. He saw what happened with Earl Thomas and how that ended. And Frank, to me, is just not that guy anyways. He loves football. He wants to get better. He wants to be there. But in, in terms of OTAs, I could definitely see him skipping out on it uh, to, to prove a point. Well, last year he he did that. He skipped out on OTAs as he was heading into the final year of his rookie contract. Uh it obviously, actually, I don't know if obviously is the word, but I don't know if it's going to hurt his negotiations this year uh, after he's been given the franchise tag. I don't know if they're going to be like, well, we can't trust you to show up all the time, Frank. I think they're going to say, this is a guy who showed up when we absolutely needed him, and not only did he show up, he balled out. Yeah, He had the best season of his career and was – the anchor of the Seahawks defensive line in a season when many people wondered, can he be that without Bennett and Averill there to take some of the attention away from him? Uh, Frank Clark, you know, very much in the discussion for, uh, you know, most valuable Seahawk in terms of what he brings to the defense, especially because of the position that he plays. Mm -hmm. I think he's earned a a long-term deal. I think, Given what he was able to do this year, uh, he's a guy that has very much earned, uh, I think, a, a more job security than he's got right now. Got uh, callers on the line, 206-421-3776-866-979-3776 if you want to weigh in on it. Rick, out in Auburn, you are on Seattle Sports Tonight. How you doing tonight, Rick? Good. How you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. What, what, you, what you got for us? Appreciate you taking my call. Yeah, I... First off, kudos, I think, for the Seahawks for um, the decision they made. I, uh, first, first quick question, what did Bruce Irvin get? Did he did he leave for a free agent contract similar to this situation? I was trying to recall that situation. 
Yeah, he left in free agency, signed with the Raiders after the Seahawks didn't pick up his fifth-year option. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he have a huge year the year prior? And, and um, I'm not sure what he did. I don't think he's done a whole lot of sense, right? He had he had a strong year that year, and then uh, he had another year or two with the Raiders where he was a top performer. This last year, he uh, he was not uh, one amongst the the sack leaders or had a uh, benchmark year for him. So he'll be a cheaper number. Well, and the reason I bring that up is this: it seems there's something about I don't know what you guys feel, but there's something about Frank. Um, you know, the Seahawks really took a chance on him. When they drafted him, I think they've been loyal to him. Mm-hmm. And I think any time a guy has a major year on a contract year, there's still got to be a little skepticism as to the merit in, in his season and how much it was for that contract versus how much it is um, a guy that's going to be driven once he gets the money. And I don't know if I'm just being skeptical. Maybe that's the case. Um, been burned before in these situations. So um, it seems like the Seahawks are taking the right measures. Give him another year, see how it's true to being a Seahawk he is and how loyal he is and whether or not he can sustain the level of play he did um, to merit that kind of a contract. So from my standpoint, it's, it's uh, I think that they're doing the right thing. If Frank gets mad and gets upset, I think it shows a little bit about maybe why the Seahawks aren't willing yet to, to unload their pocketbook for that. And mm-hmm. so he uh, you know, puts together a few seasons back-to-back, but nonetheless, he had an amazing year, deserves money. I just I don't know if you, know, you make a comment that, he deserves it. I don't know if one year merits that kind of money yet. I think the franchise takes gives him quite a bit of money as it is. And um, I'd love to see him put together another year um, before really going after that. And I'll take your comments up here. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Rick. And I think Rick brought up a good point in that when he said that the Seahawks have been loyal to Frank Clark. They brought him in second-round pick when there were all sorts of red flags surrounding his character. And in that negotiation process, I think the Seahawks – could very well say, look, we brought you in when no one else would. We gave you this opportunity to shine. You wouldn't be here if it weren't for us. Right. And I think that is something that the Seahawks are probably mindful of when they enter into these kinds of negotiations with Frank Clark saying, it makes sense. You wouldn't be in this position if we hadn't given you this opportunity. It makes sense, but however, you look at it and say, well, someone else would have taken him. Whether it was first round, second round, third round, uh, obviously he didn't go in the first, he went in the second, but third, fourth, Frank Clark, you could, and Frank Clark could go back and say, it doesn't matter what team I would have been on. It doesn't matter what round you would have drafted me. I appreciate the uh, willingness to take me in the second and that faith that you've had in me, but I, I, I would have sh- shined regardless. And I think that's the point that they've talked about him and his agent in these contract discussions is it doesn't matter where you go first or second or third or, or, or seventh or a free agent. It matters what you do once you get into the league, and they value Frank Clark that himself and his camp values himself as a premier edge rusher in this league, along with Jadavian Clowney, Demarcus Lawrence, D. Ford, and, and others. So he's he's asking for top dollar. And and going to Rick's point, I, I fully understand that. I get where he's coming from on it would be nice to see another year to see if he can sustain that or improve upon uh, that so that you can make sure your investment is more real than maybe a flash-in-the-pan type of season. I don't think you're going to get that with Frank Clark. I don't think that this was just a one-year wonder. I think Frank really stepped it up on the field, in off the field as well as a leader, and that's why I want to see a multi-year deal get done sooner rather than later because I don't want it to be in question of whether Frank Clark is going to be in OTAs or not. I don't want that 
to happen because I want that sounding board. I want one of the strong voices in my locker room uh, to be there every single day. Uh, Frank is 25, going to be 26 years old. His game is still developing. He's got, he's got years right? ahead of him. Absolutely. I don't want him to take a step back. And, and last year it, he didn't. But I want him to be around the team developing, growing, helping uh, set that culture and that standard of the Seahawks way. And in, in only having him in that building is only going to be good for those young guys that come in for the first time. And you have a Frank Clark, you have a Bobby Wagner, you have a Russell Wilson, uh, Jaron Reed to set the standard of how we do things. 206-421-3776, 866-979-3776. Let's head on out to Coopville, talk to Frank. Frank, how's, uh, how's Coopville on this Monday night? It's nice. It's uh, lovely as always. We're uh, privileged to live on the island. Great to hear. Great to hey, hear. Hey, uh, gentlemen, so a question for you. Uh, curious about how the salary cap and then the, the total salary cap being up. And they look at that annually, but doesn't the next year or the following year. And then I got a couple more after you get it kind of fill that in. Thank you for the call, Frank. Uh, well, next year, if you read on 710sports.com, John Clayton has written uh, sort of his salary cap projections for next year and how this Frank Clark franchise tag kind of falls in line with that. If, I, if I'm quoting it correctly, it sounds like Clayton doesn't think the cap number is going to go up as much as it did this last year, which means that there's going to be less wiggle room in 2019, or at least the 2019-2020 offseason, uh, than there is this year where the Seahawks have about, what is it, $47 million in cap space. That was before the Frank Clark deal went down. Right. I think opening up more cap space is going to be the biggest reason why the Seahawks want to get this done. Right. A, mul- think, a multi-year deal, yeah, right? Yeah, where they can spread this out instead of having it one giant lump sum that takes up a third or, or even more than that now of their entire cap space. I think that's what the Seahawks want to do. That's their ultimate goal. I don't know if they think I, – I don't know if they're so much attached to the player as much as they value the cap space. Well, I think if you go to, uh, if you go to cut number one, you talk about Pete Carroll. We've been talking to Frank's people. We've been negotiating for some time and uh, with – Ernest, you know, he had a great year. I've said to you tons of times, not that he, not only did he have a great year on the field, he had a terrific year developing off the field and has become really the, a, a complete factor on this team and the leader and all of that. So we're hoping, we plan on Frank playing with us. We're not, we don't want to lose him. So to me, that tells me they want the player more than they are necessarily wanting the contract situation done. This is one of those situations where you want the player. You know he's a cornerstone player in your franchise moving forward you also know that a a multi-year deal is a lot more helpful to you in terms of cats cap space and and being able to maneuver that around not just for frank in this year but also for the years to come because you have russell wilson bobby wagner jaron reed and so forth coming down the pipe as well so to me it, it makes a lot of sense to try and get this done so I, it'll be interesting to watch as this unfolds how this how this all comes together. But this franchise tag situation 
I would assume, is just to extend the deadline of when they have to get this deal done to July 15th. If it goes past that and Frank is playing on his franchise tag, I, I think that that is a loss uh, for the Seahawks franchise overall. Uh, I, I think because now you, you wait a year, you're, you're playing chicken with all the other teams that are trying to get their deals done with their top edge rushers. And now if you wait a year, those other deals get done, you're looking at a price tag and next time around going into negotiations with Frank where now the, the number is at $20 million plus. So uh, that's why I think it would be more in, it would be in the best interest for the Seahawks to get a deal done as soon as possible. Text coming in from the 907 says, Another monster year for Frank and his price tag only goes up. Sign him now. What are your thoughts on Frank Clark getting the franchise tag from the Seahawks the first time they've used the franchise tag since 2010? 206-421-3776 is the number to call, 866-979-3776. We take your calls and texts next on Frank Clark getting the franchise tag. Curtis Rogers and Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. You can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. I've downloaded it. Jake, I know you've got the 710 Sports app on your phone. Absolutely, I do. Kid me? Exactly. I wouldn't go anywhere. Without I can't it. live. I can't live without it. Exactly. So get that on your phone, wherever you want to download your apps from. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback Jake Heaps with you until nine o'clock here on Seattle Sports at night. Shout out to you for tuning in. Frank Clark getting that franchise tag from the Seahawks today. Uh, it'll pay about seventeen million dollars if the Seahawks are unable uh, to come to terms on a long-term extension with. Frank Clark by the July 15th deadline. John Schneider, he spoke at the Combine this week talking about Frank Clark and the kind of relationship that he has with the young defensive end. Frank and I, we have a great relationship. Um, there's a, there's a communication's been great. Um, there's a strong level of trust um, between the two of us, so um, that would be the update. So it, sound, it sounds very positive from what we've heard from Pete and, and Schneider this weekend uh, about where the negotiations sit, even though the Seahawks handed a franchise tag over to Frank Clark today. Mm-hmm. Your poll right now on your Twitter account uh, at JTHeaps9, uh, you asked the question, uh, what are your thoughts on the Seahawks franchise tagging Frank Clark uh, and said that there were two options. Uh, good, it's a prove-it deal. Or B, get a multi-year deal done. What are those results looking like? Yeah, right the now? people, the people have spoken pretty overwhelmingly. It's eighty-two percent people want uh, to have them get a multi-year deal done with Frank Clark, I, and I am right there with those sentiments. I I think that this is in the best interest of the player. This is in the best interest of the franchise to get this multi-year deal done. Uh, you know Frank Clark is a, is a cornerstone of the of this franchise, uh, and and you want this guy to build upon the year that he had last year and focus on his development, getting better on the field, off the field, having his voice continue to grow in that leadership role in that locker room. So uh, 
this is one of those situations that now we're in a, we're there's a lot of unknowns. We don't know how Frank Clark is going to handle this. We don't know if he's going to show up for off-season team activities and that's a situation that I don't want uh Frank Clark and this in this team to be in. Yeah, that would that would not be ideal if they get into uh training camp and the franchise tag is still there and that's it and you know there there's no there's no possibility of reaching a long-term extension to Frank Clark because the the deadline has passed. I think then if that's the case and, and Clark has to play this upcoming season on the tag, I think next off season, then you could start to see a little more, I guess, saltier feelings on both sides. Yeah, just look or, at Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, in he's, Dallas, he said that he doesn't want to play on the tag this year, even though it's going to come in. Uh, it'll be his second tag, which means he gets right. a bump from last year. It's going to be about twenty million dollars for Demarcus Lawrence this season. Um, he's a guy that has been one of the best pass rushers in all of football, and in a very similar spot as Frank Clark kind of found himself in a few years ago when Demarcus Ware left the organization in Dallas. They were like, oh, where are we going to generate pass rush from? Well, Demarcus Lawrence stepped up right. and became one of the best pass rushers in all of football. Uh, I think Frank Clark could very well look at that situation and be like, well, I don't, I don't want that for me. I, I want to be here for a, a long time. We've seen it on his Twitter account this offseason already saying, you know, I'm, I'm a Seattle Seahawk. Like, I'm yeah. not going anywhere. And so he's showing loyalty in return. I think the worst-case scenario for this is if they don't get an extension done by July 15th because then you're setting yourself up for this exact same headache to play out the very next offseason. And the Seahawks are in position to put themselves back among Super Bowl contenders. You've got this... I guess headache of well not not a headache but right now it's a little more of a you know it's 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 not ideal but what they were able to do they got Frank Clark under under the tag but this is a team that's got Super Bowl aspirations in mind in the next couple of seasons right. I don't think they want to have to deal with this year in and year out well and you have to look at who's coming up next you're going to deal with so you're telling me you want to deal with Frank Clark's contract situation on top of Russell's, on top of Bobby Wagner's, on top of Jaron Reed's, that's a whole lot of contracts that you got to deal with at one time. So that's why you know Jaron Reed's a guy that his deal's going to be up next, right? Yeah. When you, he's going to be in this situation next year, so I don't want to I don't want to get in a situation where now there's a franchise tag situation with either Frank Clark, Jaron Reed. I want to be able to get these extensions done. So that they don't stack on top of each other, and now you, you're able to uh, wiggle these these contracts to where they can fit within the cap space, be able to still have the ability to uh, make a couple free agent signings, key free agent signings here and there throughout the years that you have these key players. Uh, so this is a this is a off season that I've said multiple times that you can you're a couple decisions away from either vaulting yourself being back as a Super Bowl contender, and you're also a couple decisions away from taking a step back. Because, Curtis, this team, they had a reset year, but that doesn't mean that they are ready to now make that next jump to being a Super Bowl team. They're not there yet. There are still unknowns. They're, they still have to upgrade at certain positions, particularly on defense, to be able to get them to that point. Let's head on out to Santa Monica, Kendall. He always comes with the heat. Kendall, you were on Seattle Sports at night. How are you doing tonight, man? 
Hey guys, I'm great. I can finally listen to you. Yeah, there you go. So I had to. I had to make sure I called in. Yeah. What What do you got for us tonight? Oh well, number one, I I'm just glad. You know, the last couple off seasons have been kind of stressful from a fan perspective because you know whether it was Earl Sherm, um, even when Cam held out, right, and there wasn't any movement on those deals. Right, and it dragged out into August and and all that stuff. So number one, I was just glad to see that there was positive momentum. That you know, I, I know we still need to get the overall deal done. But what makes me really excited is the fact that you know what uh, we're, we're in March and the Seahawks are are actually making movement yeah. around one of their cornerstone players. And I think Kandata, uh reported today that, you know, they're both sides are moving, are still talking about moving towards a, a long-term deal. So that that's what encourages me and just that hopefully we can get away from the drama that we had, right? With just like, will they, won't they, the Sherm, the, the Earl stuff. So it's just a yeah. breath of fresh air. For yeah. Kendall, let me ask you this. If Frank Clark is missing during OTAs, how does that make you feel as a fan? I feel fine mainly because I know for a fact that, I, Frank is is a different type of dude, and he's a team first guy, and and he truly is. So OTAs, I'm not that worried. If you get to training camp, then I'll probably be calling in with a <laughs> with a different team. <laughs> um, but uh, OTAs, I'm I'm not that worried, especially because Frank okay. is uh, is a man of his word. So if he says he's he's going to be there to ride for his teammates, uh, I accept that. Well, Kendall, if, if Frank does report to camp, we still want you calling in, all right? Of course. Hey, anytime I can get you, I'll be in, man. All right. We appreciate that, Kendall. Coming up next, it is time for four-down territory. we got the quarterback, Jake Heaps, in here answering four of the biggest questions surrounding the Seahawks, the Pac-12, the Huskies, the Cougs, you name it. We're answering those next, including of the guys who are hit with the franchise tag today, which one signs first? That's next on Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. This, this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got deep, deep, deep. We're nearing the end of tonight's first half, so that means we're in Four Down Territory. We're trying to put this one in the end zone. Let's go. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback, Jake Heaps, here. First down. Number one. Of the guys who were hit with the franchise tag today, Jake, yeah, which one do you see putting pen to paper first on a long-term extension? This is a tough one. Uh, I, I would see Demarcus Lawrence's deal get done. Uh, I, I can't imagine that the Cowboys are going to want to play without him. But they're also in a tight contract situation themselves. Their cap space is in an interesting spot. So they might not have a choice in this one. And so that leads me to believe that Frank Clark is actually going to be, of the four guys, the four edge pass rushers, D Ford, Jadavian Clowney, Demarcus Lawrence, and, and Frank Clark, I think it's going to be Frank Clark that gets the deal done first. I think if any of them are going to get done, it's going to be around this July 15th deadline. I do not foresee a deal getting done in the next month or two. I think it goes all the way down to the wire in July. We heard from Jason Lockon Four over the weekend of CBS Sports when he tweeted out that the Seahawks and Frank Clark are making progress towards a long-term extension. I don't think that progress stops today. I think it continues on. Absolutely. And I think they, they are able to get a long-term deal done uh, later in this offseason before that July 15th deadline. He also brought up to Marcus Lawrence and the Cowboys cap situation. they got guys who need to get paid soon. Dak Prescott... 
being chief among them. The quarterback market always kind of resets itself. We've seen guys like Jimmy Garoppolo become the highest-paid quarterback, even though they haven't accomplished a whole lot. Dak Prescott has accomplished a lot more than Garoppolo ever has. Does he reset that quarterback market? And if so, that's going to take up a large chunk of what the Cowboys can do and, and amount of maneuverable room that they have uh, in order to to get a deal done with Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, not enviable if you're the Cowboys. In fact, I think it takes them out of the Earl Thomas sweepstakes altogether. Absolutely, and, and that's where you could see Earl getting pushed to the 49ers. Those are the two teams that have really come to the forefront for Earl is the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys, and, and Earl has already said that he's not taking a hometown discount. No. He wants to get paid, so... Demarcus Lawrence, that's what you have to see. That's what you have to uh, evaluate if you're the Cowboys. Is that elite pass rusher worth it more to you than a Earl Thomas type of player or a, and another player that you could maybe add to your roster? We'll get to Earl Thomas in just a bit here in four down territory, but second down. Number two. Huskies. They came away today with another quarterback commitment. Ethan Garbers out of Southern California, a 2020 three-star. Some have him as a four-star recruit. My question to you, Jake, is is the Husky quarterback room getting a little crowded? Yeah, congr- first off, congratulations to Ethan Garbers. Ethan is the younger brother of Chase Garbers, who's the current starter at Cal. Good bloodlines there, good quarterback, uh, and, and one that I know the Huskies are excited to add to their, state, to their uh, current stable. Uh, of quarterbacks there, it, it just takes me back to the time of SC when Pete Carroll was there. It seemed like year in and year out, it didn't matter if it was quarterback, running back, every position, you were getting four or five-star guys committing every single year. And what you do is, as a program, you're looking at this saying, look, we evaluate our quarterbacks every year. We think that we are getting one of the best guys in the country year in and year out. But that doesn't always mean that they're going to come to fruition. And their, their true talent is going to shine through. So in these situations, the cream rises to the crop. Whether you're a three-star, four-star, five-star guy, the Huskies want to play the best player. And so they're always going to look every year to add the best possible talent that they can. They have Sam Heward committed, already locked in for the 21. next year. You know, he's going to be, I think that he'll be the top 2021 20, quarterback in the entire country. So it just adds to this competition. Uh, and, and I think if you're Chris Peterson and Bush Hamden, you don't care. You just want to add the best guys possible to uh, continue to make that competition year in and year out as strong as possible. Third down. Number three. Who were the biggest winners at the NFL Combine from the Huskies and Cougs? Yeah, I, there wasn't really anybody that, that had a poor performance. The only thing that you could point to was Miles Gaskett's 40 time wasn't as expected. You thought that he would be running in the low four fives. He'll have the opportunity on his pro day to do just that. I think that when it's all said and done, I think Gaskin on his pro day will get to a sub four four. Uh, but other than that, he did great in his three cone shuttles. Uh, so everybody kind of checked off the boxes from that standpoint. Caleb McGarry, Andre Dillard being the guys that really solidified themselves. I think Andre Dillard is going to be the first tackle taken. Uh, Jake Browning did a great job. Uh, people were talking about the improved arm strength. I think that he, more than anything, I don't think it was necessarily improved arm strength. I just, I think he showed consistent accuracy and zip on the football that sometimes it was lacking uh, at different times. So just being more consistent with his delivery. Uh, Andrew Sample 
did great. I think he solidified himself as a third, fourth-round guy. Uh, ben Burkhurvin uh, actually tested lights out, establishing himself as, as one of the top linebackers going to be taken. And when you look at the DBs, Byron Murphy, Taylor Rapp, those guys did pretty dang good for themselves. Uh, didn't run elite times, but in terms of short shuttles and skills and the skill drills that they performed, they were very smooth, and I think they established themselves as first, second-round picks. How about the quarterbacks, Minshew and Browning? Minshew, uh, for me, I think he had a uh, – he didn't go in there and just wow everybody with his physical attributes, which to me wasn't going to be the case anyways. It was more about – how could he do in his interviews? Can he get teams to fall in love with Gardner Minshew, the person, the player, uh, and the leader? So that is yet to be determined. Uh, Browning, I think, did what he needed to do was show that he could throw with the rest of the talent there at the quarterback position. Uh, physically, I would still like to see him get bigger uh, than what he currently ha- uh, what he currently showed up at at two eleven. I think he can get up to two fifteen pretty easily to add some more. Uh, you know, muscle to his frame, but overall, I think all those guys didn't do anything to hurt their stock. And fourth down, number four. Today, franchise tag deadline. Well, it hasn't came and went yet, but one surprise is that the Giants will not tag safety Landon Collins, who's only 25 years old, three-time Pro Bowler, All-Pro in 2016. How will his surprise free agency impact Earl Thomas's market? Yeah, it's amazing to think that Landon Collins could jump ahead of Earl Thomas, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen if you look at across the board on NFL uh, scouts and evaluators and GMs, uh, you know, talent board or, or, or you know, position board. I think Landon Collins is going to be number one and Earl Thomas number two. Uh, Landon Collins is younger. Uh, again, like you said, three pro, pro Bowls already, and it's honestly shocking that he is going to be leaving the New York Giants as a free agent. So it, there's going to be a hot market for Landon Collins. Earl Thomas, I think, then gets affected with the amount of money that he is trying to get. I still think he gets paid, but not as much as Earl thinks he should get paid. That is four down territory. We punched that one in the end zone, no doubt about oh, it. Easy. Easy. I mean, we're not settling for a long field goal at the end of the half. Come on now. Never. That's... Once we cross the 40-yard line, there it is. we're going for it there every it single is. time. Never punt, never kick. That's what we do here. Seattle Sports at Night. Coming up, we start the second hour of tonight's show. Well, we did it by previewing the Combine last week. Well, it came and went. So now we review the Combine. Which prospects popped out to our very own Jake Heaps this last weekend? We'll get into that next. Curtis Rogers and Jake Heaps right here. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.